generate more than 40% of our emissions. They need to become more sustainable. Welcome to the new episode of Fighting 40%. Since RoofKit focuses on sustainability, we want to talk about a topic of building in an existing context. Our guest today will be Sophia Schmidt from LRO. Besides the work as an architect, she also teaches as a research assistant at the KIT in Karlsruhe. Sophia has a lot of experience in the field of dealing with existing structures and will give us a deeper insight into her work and also the work of LRO. Thanks for having you here today, Sophia. To briefly introduce yourself, can you explain how you came to the field of architecture when choosing your career and also how did you found your way to LRO and what excited you about the office? Uh, first of all, thank you for having me. Um, it's a great pleasure for me to be uh, here with you today. Um, so I grew up in Thuringia in the 1990s and uh, during that time several state programs for village renewal were developed. Um, historic village centers and houses were able to be renovated and saved from demolition um, that no one really cared about during the GDR era. So my mother, um, also being an architect, operated strongly in this field and uh, also in the regional context. She experimented with old building techniques and materials, and sometimes she included the whole family, so also me as a kid. And um, this had a strong influence on me as a child and still interests me today. Um, I enjoy the plasticity, patina and the tangible and legible history of buildings and accordingly I am interested in durable and handcrafted construction methods that allow a reading of the labor that has contributed to the building. And LRO creates houses with a strong aesthetic sustainability and that is basically what tickled me in the work of this practice. So it's important to me that a building is capable of aging gracefully. Okay, and so uh, in what kind of projects are you generally interested in and also what are you currently working on? I started at LRO in the team of the expansion of the Württemberg State Library in Stuttgart. This building is different from a lot of other LRO buildings, not only because of the choice of materials. Um, instead of recycled brick, which we frequently use in new buildings, for the State Library we used exposed concrete to a large extent. We did so because concrete also uh, characterizes the already existing building of the Württemberg State Library from the post-war period. And um, while the extension has a very compact curvature, I found the pavilion-like structure of the existing building very attractive in contrast. So this led me to take a closer look at this building. And in the meantime, I am in charge for the renovation of the building in accordance with the preservation order also. So you have had uh, or you worked on a few projects in the field of building in existing context. Um, like you just said, the Württembergische um, Landesbibliothek in Stuttgart or the Historic Museum in Frankfurt, which, by the way, Julian and I have visited a few months ago. Um, so what's your basic attitude uh, towards this kind of projects? We understand existing buildings as a resource, uh, not only structurally, but also in terms of uh, contemporary history. Buildings always reveal a lot about society, economy, technology and so on. So it, it kind of uh, mirrors uh, the social life that happens while the building is, is built, actually. 
So for example, we like to work with buildings from the post-war period, such as the State Library, but also the State Theater in Darmstadt or the Eberhard Ludwigs Gymnasium in Stuttgart, which we are currently renovating. These buildings reflect a social upswing that is also reflected in an almost wasteful use of resources. Material resources played virtually no role. Labor was cheap and um, we can't and we don't want to build like this anymore. The requirements have changed. In new buildings, we often cannot longer achieve the qualities of an old architecture in terms of cost and efficiency. For example, there is a large and constructively quite elaborate hall in the State Library. This hall is about 3,000 square meters on four floors, and its main purpose was to connect all the other parts of the building and to make a nice light flooded circulation area. You cannot build like this anymore. So it is important to preserve these buildings uh, with that, the ideas and thoughts that these concepts are based on. All right. Okay. And what's important to you at the beginning of such a project? Is there like, are there special demands that have to be there um, before you decide to um, work on such a project? <laughs> First of all, we have to be open to the ideas of the previous architects. I think um, recognizing the achievements of the previous generation of architects and the craftsmanship uh, play a big role for us. Therefore, it is quite important to try to understand the ideas of the design, but also the process of how the building physically evolved. Um, we ask questions like, why is the building positioned on the side like this? Or why is this wall made out of this material? And why is there a window on this uh, place, but not on the other? And uh, this is a very exciting task and it requires sensitivity. At some points, we gain an understanding of the architect thought at different scales uh, of their design and, and we try to work with that actively. And um, what are the common problems that you face when you plan um, in the existing fabric? Um, what is challenging about it? I think the biggest problem is that you have to take your own architect's ego mm -hmm. back a bit. Oh, so yeah. no, honestly, we have, we have just talked about changing requirements and um, For example, 200 years ago, fire safety requirements were in the infancy. Accessibility and design for all are brand new topics considering the long history of the act of building itself. And what is perceived as a recognized building material today may be declared harmful in 10 years time. So we have to be able to react to these kinds of changes as best as we can as architects of which I think it is the biggest challenge that we face. Mm -hmm. And a building should be able to deal with new requirements. And I think people, you know, often accuse an existing building um, of, of not being changeable enough. But the experience of many architects show that a good building can withstand a lot. All right. All right. Um, do you also feel like the the architects want to design something new or want to show that they're, this is my building because this is my idea, this is my draft. And then if you build in the, um, in or if you plan in an existing building, you feel like you only can react to what someone else has planned so that you don't feel free enough or don't feel like you can bring in your own ideas. Yeah, I think that's a good question because um, 
you always have to have to consider what is there a lot. So, uh, if if you if you plan on existing buildings, um, of course you can you can try to build something that is new and fancy and you know adapts to to the existing context, but still is something very new or kind of pops out of the building and, and spreads to the world. But um, I think you can you can still like bring in your own ego in, in terms of what I said before. Um, but still you have to consider what is there and, and you know like make it kind of grow together, the new and the old. I think that's the that's the main thing about it. Yeah. All right, okay. A frequently discussed question is whether it is uh, worthwhile to renovate a building at all or whether um, a new building might maybe make more sense. Um, what factors are used to evaluate this question? Um, the most important factors in this type of decision is the cost, unfortunately. So other factors should be given a greater weight, in, in my opinion, such as the consideration of gray energies, for example, um, that already flew into the original construction of the building, but also the value of the existing building as a sign of the society which it was originally built for. Um, the second point often mentioned is that the building does not correspond to the desired use because the square meters specified in the space allocation plan cannot be reproduced one-to-one uh, -one in the floor plan. And in this turn it often justified by the investment cost, which is a shame to be honest. Um, of course, it's easy to demolish a house that's tweaking or uncomfortable here or there, but that is precisely what makes it so appealing to work with, and that's exactly what requires brain power and creativity. A third thing that should not be underestimated is the thinking of buildings and life cycles. Uh, once a building has a stamp of a minimum shelf life, it can be difficult to convince investors and developers not to throw it away easily. So you as an architect look at the building and think, well, that's still good, so we should work with it. But it's very hard to convince, um, convince investors that think another way. And there's a lot of time and work involved in dealing with existing buildings, obviously. There are many imponderables. Uh, when you start working with existing stock, you have to accept that you know almost next to nothing. And it takes a lot of work and examination uh, to get a clearer picture of the structure and its condition. And it can become very uncomfortable uh, work at times. So demolition, on the other hand, often allows to stay within a bit of a comfort zone uh, for the architects and also for developers or investors, but that might not be a good, um, a good consideration after all. So for investors, demolition and new construction is still the cheapest and most rewarding option in terms of return of investment. And there is need for the private sector to understand that new doesn't automatically mean better. And maybe there's a bit of a gentle push uh, needed to get them to react to the changing conditions. Yeah. Um, okay, what excites you personally um, the most about the subject um, of building in the existing fabric? 
So for us, it is often about understanding the original design ideas. Our intention is to gently uncover the thoughts and make them visible again. And it's incredibly exciting for me to, you know, bring old walls and current requirements together and to create a work that users can work with well and that also gracefully shows its history. All right. So apart from normal renovations, we hear more and more often about pollutant cleanups of existing buildings, which are especially necessary for older buildings, but also like post-war buildings. What is the difference between this and a normal renovation? And what are the consequences or which, which challenges do you have to face if you do like a pollutant cleanup and the renovation of a building? So especially in relatively young post-war buildings, there are building pollutants a lot. And uh, the removal of these pollutants is a necessary evil uh, during the renovation of the building. And by the way, also doing a demolition. So you have to get rid of uh, the pollutants before doing anything to the buildings because everything you do with it is, you know, harmful for others. And you have to think carefully about when a pollutant cleanup makes sense because the re requirements for the cleanup are very strict and have a great influence on the costs and deadlines. However, uh, you also want to create a building that can be used well and safely. So it is difficult to explain to the users that, for example, a plastered wall um, cannot be drilled in because uh, it contains asbestos, for example. Is this, it is a natural thing for people to drill holes in walls. You cannot prohibit it. And therefore, you have to take care of them, not to harm themselves by doing so. And you can expect anyone to retain this knowledge for years to come. So you have to create a healthy work environment or healthy uh, living environment for the people. And that's why you have to, you know, get rid of potentially harmful substances. So do you think it, it is even possible to act with care for resources when renovating with harmful substances or is this not the case? Mm, our task is good to deal intelligently with these harmful substances because uh, the end result is that they end up in landfill. And um, our goal is to do as much as necessary, but as little as possible. And of course, one goal must also be not to build in any potentially harmful material while renovating. So we have to think ahead in decades, to be honest, or we have to try to think ahead in decades um, and also consider further remediation um, that will happen in like 30 years time or something. So we try to do without materials that we know now uh, can cause us problems in a few years as much as we can. All right. Okay, um, last but not least, let's talk about historic preservation. Uh, I think we all can agree uh, that it is an important issue and uh, still uh, it can lead to uh, obstacles in planning. Um, what are the big stitching points when, um, when you renovate a listed building? So for protected buildings, we actually follow a very similar procedures for non-protected buildings. And the first step It doesn't matter to us whether uh, a building is listed or not. The architectural quality of the existing buildings um, determine how we can deal with it and how we do. And in a listed building, the scope for changes, it's 
it's somewhat smaller than uh, it is in a not listed building. But at the very beginning, we try to free uh, ourselves from, you know, the restrictions and just try to soak in everything that comes with the existing uh, building structure. So um, that means that extensive coordination takes place, often combined with joint inspections and discussions uh, with the involvement of additional experts. And we see this progress as a great enrichment to the project. So it allows us to incorporate new perspectives into our planning process. And if we notice in the course of the design that we can achieve a great added value um, for the later use through a targeted intervention in the building, then we just try to go for it. And this means that we have to do a lot of convincing to build mock-ups also to simulate conditions of, of the uh, later to appear rooms and basically to talk a lot. And what kind of restrictions uh, do you face? Um, so when a building is listed, it potentially means that everything that is in the building and every change that had uh, happened to the building is also listed. So, you know, if you want to preserve it, you just leave it as it is and then it's fine. But this is not what we want to do because we want to play with it. We want to tickle stuff out of it. And, and that's why we have to uh, constantly go further than the restrictions allow and further than just taking everything as it is and leaving everything as it is. Mm -hmm. Right. If that makes sense. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Okay, um, and how does historic preservation affect the construction costs? Um, do you face any problems there? or? So, on the one hand, the effort required for structure restoration is uh, incomparably higher. Um, once the building has achieved the listed status, virtually everything about it is protected, as I said before. So accordingly, the approach to construction is cautious. And um, one thinks twice before cutting a large hole, for example, in a wall to uh, facilitate the construction transport. You, you have really uh, to think about it because everything you tear down is gone, basically. And um, the logistics alone are more complicated. The companies have to work more carefully. And of course, many things have to be dismantled, stored or refurbished instead of simply being replaced. And that all takes a lot of time and money. And also the coordination and planning process um, plays a significant role in cost. So in the end, it can be said that uh, working in existent buildings whether listed or not, always involve higher costs, potentially between 15 and 30 percent, um, depending on the type of intervention. And it also uh, creates a greater cost uh, risk than it would in a new building. Nevertheless, we urge that the costs of potential demolition should also be considered, uh, as well as the material and immaterial value of the building, because once it's gone, it's away. <laughs> okay, thanks a lot. So we have now seen that the subject of building in an existing context is extremely complex and in most of the cases also more costly than planning a new building. Uh, I can imagine that this puts off many architects, especially younger ones. 
So regarding this topic, what would you like to tell our audience and also us for the future? So I think, um, as in every project, good interaction and transparency are very important. Um, we as architects tend to think a lot about the qualities of buildings and uh, of interventions and forget about the costs or are afraid of the risks. And, um, you know, we don't want to talk about that really. But especially in existing buildings or in existing contexts, uh, however, we should not be afraid to talk and discuss openly and to find good arguments uh, for the proposals. And I think th that talking and that um, that whole process of um, being in the same situation together uh, as a planning team, that helps a lot. And for me, I think the world is full of treasures uh, that need to be kissed awake. Yeah. So, young architects, go for it. <laughs> okay, <laughs> Some nice, nice closing cool. words over here. <laughs> thank you so much for uh, joining us today. Yeah, thank you for having me again. A special thank you to Sophia for joining us today and also thank you all so much for listening. Stay tuned.